Principal Matters Podcast, episode 270. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast where each week we bring you inspiring innovative and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership this week i'm talking to my co-host jen schwanke who's the assistant superintendent at dublin city schools and also the author of two great books on school leadership jen schwanke welcome back to another episode where we're going to be jumping into questions from principals in fact this week we're going to be talking about a couple of areas about helping create buy-in among your staff and how to build strong leadership teams. So let me just start by letting school principals know this week I was looking at a book by Tina Bugram called Coaching for Education, Educator Wellness. And what I love about this book is that um, she takes just a few minutes at the front to talk about each part of the school year and how we can anticipate different emotions. You know how like when you start the school year, everything's like, let's get excited. We're so pumped up. But now we're in October to December, and this is the, like, Jesus take the wheel time. Like, where we're like, okay, I am overwhelmed. I can only dream about making it to Christmas. And then once we get back through into January, we start that rejuvenation phase again. But that's not where we are right now. So for those who are listening to this at the time of the recording, we're kind of in that crunch spot where we are working hard to to make sure our teams and our teachers and our students are all being served correctly. But one of the questions that we received recently, Jen, was this question. How do you gain buy-in among your staff versus just setting expectations when it comes to structuring or implementing new programs to support student learning? So that's our question to begin with, but feel free to fill in any other thoughts on this time of the year as we get started. It is a tricky time of year, and I I know a lot of people feel like they're far enough in that they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but they can't turn back around either. Like we're in it. So we are going to forge ahead. And there's a lot of complications with this school year, of course, with, as we, you know, get back into our regular routines post COVID. And that's why I love this question so much because this for many years, for many months, we have been setting expectations and we have been saying, okay, this is what we expect. We expect kids to wear masks or we expect kids not to wear masks or we expect um, our families to know about the vaccination or whatever. There's been a lot of talk about expectations and that has maybe gotten us off of our uh, off track somewhat. Now I have a confession to make, Will. I really just kind of get this icky reaction when people say to me, now, the expectation is because it just seems a little bit like a, a grumpy parent telling a child to pick up the wet towel off the floor. You know, it's a, it's an expectation that that feels like it's going to be awful and it's going to not end well. So I really avoid that word when I'm talking with staff because I don't an expectation again is I'm not I'm not the mom telling them to do their chores. I want buy-in and so I want them to not feel as though I'm checking up about whether they meet my expectations, because it really should be shared expectations. It really should be shared norms. And that to me is kind of the crux to the answer to this question about how to get buy-in. Um, not expect, but establish what, where, what our shared outcomes are. 
Yeah, and I hear the tension in that question, you know, the yes. difference between buy-in and just setting expectations because I think I think the question leads to that tension between leadership and management. Exactly. Often you hear people saying, I don't want a manager, I want a leader. And I have to always pause and say, well, actually, you're going to probably have to be both. Yes. Because because in order to run a successful school or to run a place where parents want to drop off their kids each day and where teachers want to teach and where you want to be, you're going to have to have expectations. And right. You're going to have to have calendars and you're going to have to have norms that are set. But that's different. Right. Than, than leadership and buy-in because managers can organize things, but leaders can actually, well, let's talk about that. What's the difference, right. Jen, for you between buy-in and just setting expectations? Well, and I'm glad you said that because there are things that as leaders and as managers, we have to expect. We have to expect that people will show up on time. We have to expect that they will be ready to um, be on for their students. We have to expect that they will have read the handbook and that they know their contract. Those are expectations that that are set um, and hopefully are easily followed because they're all things that if you don't do, you might not be working anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, buy-in to me is, is sharing beliefs or sharing um, goals, sharing a journey, sharing a process. And so how you gain that Unfortunately, I think it takes time. I think a lot of times leaders and managers, we want to move quickly. This is absolutely my weakness as a leader. I want to move quickly. I see a vision in my mind and I say, let's go for it. But to get buy-in takes time and it takes pressing pause, thinking about who we're missing, who needs to be part of this conversation, who will feel left out if their voice isn't heard, who doesn't care and doesn't necessarily need to be part of it. Those are the kind of thought processes that uh, a leader and a a team should really consider. And and that then I think, well, you've probably experienced this as a principal yourself, to get that buy-in includes constantly communicating, constantly. I've had superintendents where I have heard them share a vision 10, 20, 30 times. And I think, my God, how do they do it? Well, they do it because they know that's how you get buy-in is you make sure everybody understands the journey. Yeah. And so there's this strange tension, Jen, and I'm so glad you pointed that out, that it takes time. And so, so the tension is that in order to build meaningful, trusting relationships, you actually have to have structures in place to do that. And so on the one hand, you have this, I want to create buy-in, not just create expectations. But then on the other hand, you have to understand that if you aren't creating the right kinds of expectations, you probably won't have the buy-in. And so let me just give you some examples. For leaders, we often know that in order to gain trust, we have to have time with people. And time spent is relationship built. That's the equation that someone taught me. Actually, it was a college um resident advisor that taught me that lesson years ago. He was just like, well, if you want to become stronger in leadership, time spent equals relationship built. That was his little motto. you got to spend time with people if you really want to build relationships with them. So how do we apply that to school leadership? If you're not scheduling into your day and week and month time to connect and build opportunities for buy-in, then they're probably not going to happen on the fly. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't take spontaneous moments to connect with people and share vision and communicate ideas, but it also means that you're actually structuring time within each of your days and weeks for those opportunities. For example, 
if you have a group of people that you are trusting as a part of your leadership development, then you're going to need to put them on your schedule for like specific time that you're getting together, whether it's every week or twice a month or once a month, because if you don't schedule that time with them, those conversations, those meaningful conversations that you're wanting to have are probably going to get drowned out by all the other expectations. And so that's just one example of, of, of thinking in your own mind, I want to build, I want to create buy-in and I have to have meaningful relationships to do it. But then how do I build the structures to foster buy-in and meaningful relationships? And, you know, I, I can almost feel your listeners thinking, well, wait, how do I find all that time? <laughs> because it does take time. And there's where I would encourage school leaders to choose what needs buy-in and what will be just fine with expectations. So let me give you an example. Um, I, I once worked in a building where the fire drill process was it, the staff hated it. It was cumbersome. It was inefficient. Um, it, they didn't feel that kids were safe and they, they needed to rethink it and rework it. That's a situation where I think it would have, it was smart to get staff buy-in, get a committee together, talk about what had happened in the past, what needed to change. I've also worked in a building where the staff didn't like the fire, fire drill process because they didn't like fire drills but it was fine. You know, kids went out, they were safe. It was quick. It was efficient. And so that's one where I would say, no, we are not going to rethink this. There are big, big, big problems that we need to look at. And student safety in this particular context is not compromised. So the expectation is this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it at Friday at two. Everybody good. Let's move on down the road. So I think it's important for school leaders to think about what situations need buy-in and what don't. And with the example I gave, you could see it's not always a clean list because it depends on the school and the school's community, the internal internal culture, all of those things depend. So we can't create a list of these things are big, get buy-in. These things are small, get set expectations because it's not that easy. Oh, Jen, you're just reminding me of a, of a story from last week when I was... Um... I was in Norman, Oklahoma, visiting a couple of friends at an alternative school. Um, and this is a school that has been serving students K-12 for several years. A lot of alternative schools that I have visited are typically like secondary high school level. But, but there's two directors there who have been focusing on, on helping kids find success in school when they've struggled in the more traditional settings. And I have to rewind, though, because they've actually been doing this work for about 20 years. So if you go 20 years back when they were both young leaders and directors in this work, you know, they had to work hard to recruit teachers and find people that wanted to adapt that vision. They had been given kind of like the leftover building on campus, you know, on campus to, to start their program. And so they had to build from the ground up. Now, fast forward 20 years later, and the name of this academy, and they would not, not mind me sharing this, is called Dimensions Academy in Norman, Oklahoma, and um, Paul Trigestad and, and Linda Mace are the directors there, and they're, they're friends of mine as well. But as they walked me through their building last week, I was getting to see the 20-year fruit of their work, which is the, now the district has passed a, passed a bond issue, to, and they bought a, a, a two-story former hospital office complex and redesigned it for them. They have teachers who've been with them now for years who will not leave because they bought into the vision and they're so excited about being there. They have highly qualified licensed therapists also that help them with kids. All the things that they were dreaming about 20 years ago that they wanted to create buy-in 
in order to produce the kinds of places where they wanted these kids to be served. Guess what? They're experiencing it now, but it didn't happen in one year, and it didn't happen in five years, and it didn't even happen in 10 years. It it happened over a long-term investment. So I'm not saying this to any listeners out there who maybe this is your first year in a building or your fifth year in a building that you can't create buy-in where you are right now. But the point is this. You have to decide right, what, in front of you, what's the difference between what's urgent and important. Focus on the important, on those areas where you can get buy-in. And buy-in builds. It builds and builds and builds over time so that you eventually begin to reach those larger goals that you see in front of you. Well, in, in hearing that story, it, it reminds me of one of the things that makes me sad about school leadership, and that is that there tends to be a lot of turnover, and that can be a good thing. Don't get me wrong. There, there is a lot to be said for you know a fresh set of eyes on a school or a community, but when you have the long view and you have a good fit with um, the staff and the principal and so on, really, really good things can happen knowing with the comfort of time. And so I think that that's something to keep in mind too. I don't think that principals should be fearful of taking on big projects because um, two things can happen. One is the principal can stay for a long time, which would be great, or it could, it could be carefully and thoughtfully transitioned to a new leader. And so that kind of leads me to our, the second question that we thought we might address today, Will, which is how do you start a leadership team? Do you ask for volunteers? Do you invite specific people? And I think this is an appropriate question for right now in our conversation, because buy-in does require having a team of leaders you know, you, we, nobody can do this alone. You need people around you. And I think starting a leadership team, again, much like getting buy-in, it can't happen very quickly. It can't be, you know, I'm going to pick that teacher, that teacher, that teacher, and this pair of pro, and that's going to be our committee. It really does take time and knowing your staff and knowing who um, has the capacity to add something to their plate. Um, there's also, you and I've talked a lot about this, Will, the informal leaders that are a leadership team, even on their own, without being named, without having a particular committee they're leading. That's also part of shared leadership too, and building a leadership team. So I know I didn't get too granular with that, but I wanted to transition to this question because I think there's a lot to be said about buy-in and a leadership team in the same conversation. Yeah, and I appreciate the second question too. You know, how do you start a leadership team? Do you ask for volunteers? Do you invite specific people? And the answer is, of course, going to be it depends. Right. It depends on where you are. And um, Jen, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to interview Enid Lee, who is a um, equity and anti-racist specialist for schools, and she's been doing this work literally. She's been teaching since 1967. And so she and she's been doing this kind of work since the 80s. And so she's had just decades of experience of working with schools at all levels and all grade levels. And and so her but her motto is build on strengths. So when you're when you're stepping into a situation to ask what how can I grow here or what should I be doing here? And in this case, how do I build a leadership team? Her her advice would be first look for your strengths. What's already exist what already exists that might be a strong foundation for you to build on. And so when I think about building leadership teams, I just first have to ask the leader, what already exists? You might already have structures that you've inherited as you walk in. And those structures might be faulty. There may be people sitting on those teams that just aren't very contributing very positively to the school. But you actually may have people that sit on those teams that have a long history 
and a lot of institutional knowledge. And if you can gain their trust, could really provide some perspective on where you can grow. I'll give a couple of examples. When I was at the high school level, I was in schools that already had structures with set up in, with secondary department chairs as a part of the leadership team. And we maintained that traditional leadership team structure because they all had perspectives within their department areas that were really helpful for us when it came to instruction. But one of the other assistant principals on our team did something I thought that was really creative with the permission of, of, of the other leaders. She, she opened an invitation to leadership conversations. So once a month, she would host a meeting at the library after school for just leadership conversations. And it was open to anyone within the school who just wanted to come in and talk about concerns and challenges or opportunities and just dream together. And what we found was she would go to those meetings and often I would go with her and we would hear things in those meetings that weren't being said within those department chair meetings, but could feed into those. And sometimes the department chair folks would come to those leadership meetings too, because they liked the, the sense of being in the formal setting with their department chair friends, but they also liked that more informal setting where they could just brainstorm and be creative and invite younger voices that weren't necessarily involved as well. That's just one example, Jen. Um, what are some other thoughts you would add to ways to build teams? Well, I, I want to take a moment to think about our listeners who might be brand new principals or might be in a new building. And again, I think there's a lot of value in pausing, looking at existing structures like you just spoke about and seeing how they can carry you through until you have time to really evaluate the strengths of your staff and individual staff members. I um, once worked in a building where the, there was a principal leadership team and it had been the exact same structure for a long, long time. And I, one of my first days, somebody came down and said, you need to, you need to um, dismantle that, start all over, new people. And by some, some little voice in the back of my head said, yeah, don't do that yet. That's one person telling you that this isn't working. You got to wait and see. And I'm so glad I did because I kept that leadership team intact for the year. And that gave me time to see if there were flaws and to see if the whole thing just mean, needed dismantled or if maybe just one or two people needed to be shifted in or out. And I think what that did, the fact that I was willing to hold back on one loud minority voice and see for myself that was really what I was hired to do, right? I was hired to evaluate the situation and make a good decision. And when I did that, I think I got a lot of trust built. And there I'm going to tie that back to the buy-in again. If, if staff begin to really trust their leader, then buy-in is a lot easier. And they begin to trust their leader when they see decisions being made carefully, thoughtfully, with fidelity, without haste. And they begin to get a feeling that it's going to be okay because my leader is going to think things through. And I might not always love the decisions that the leader makes or that the leadership team makes, but I will know they were done thoughtfully. And so to me, I think it's, there's a, an instinct sometimes, especially for new principles, but also all of us really, there's an instinct to blow things up, start over, get different people in there, get different voices. And of course there's value in that, but existing structures, um, are there for a reason. And it just takes time to think through what needs to change. I have a good friend. Um, she was leading a middle school and several years ago, and she had put together her first guiding coalition as a way to kind of re-examine the, the structures of her school. And a lot of that, those ideas she, she gained from some of the training that Solution Tree does. And I was just looking, Jen, 
at a new book that I have not purchased yet. It just came out this month called Powerful Guiding Coalitions by Bill Hall. It's a Solution Tree Press book. And so listeners, I'll provide a link to that as well. But, you know, there's a lot of wisdom out there on ways that you can begin to rally people around you. Um, And leadership teams can look different in different places too. Sometimes they can simply be a place for you to to just examine what's going on and, and let's make sure that we're making shared decisions together. Sometimes it can be a place where you're creating norms where that guiding coalition is literally taking the, the different parts of the calendar each year and determining what are the goals and the visions going to be and how we're going to implement things. But leading with others is the goal is making sure that you're not, that you're not leading in isolation. Right. Right. You know, I know a hot topic for principals everywhere is how do I develop a strong professional development model? That's really hard to do. And none of us want to be the one providing PD week in and week out to our staff where they begin to feel like we're just preaching to them and we don't really get it. We're not in the trenches with them. And the the way around that is a, a professional development team. And to back to the question, do I ask for volunteers or invite specific people? Here's a case where I think both. I think you, you ask who, who wants to think about professional development with me, who wants to help me make these decisions. And then you invite some specific people, people who are curriculum experts or are really knowledgeable in resources related to a particular content area, say, and you make a hybrid there of people who want to be there and people who need to be there. And that way you can forge a plan together. And then if a PD kind of goes sideways, it's okay. It was, it was a team effort. And if a PD is a, a brilliant success, Hey, this was a team effort. And again, that creates more of that buy-in among staff because they'll know that the leader does not need to own the microphone and is willing to share it with others. Well, and Jen, what I like too about being able to both ask for help and ask for volunteers is that you're doing two things in that situation. One, you're identifying people that you believe would provide strengths to the team. And that personal invitation obviously would be encouraging for them to see that, hey, I trust your leadership and I'd really like you to be on this team. Opening up participation to volunteers also gives everyone the opportunity to have a voice and sometimes surprises the heck out of you when someone steps into a situation Mm -hmm. who you had not invited and you're like, whoa, they're providing so much value in this conversation. I am so glad that this person decided to volunteer to set into these conversations as well. So I think both of those dynamics are important. The targeting requests for people that you know should be involved or you hope would be involved and then opening it up to people that wouldn't. And of course, Opening invitations creates tension because sometimes somebody may step in the room that brings the level down or or carry some negativity with them. But welcome to leadership right. because, <laughs> because you're always going to be in conversations where you're navigating all kinds of different emotions in a room. And your goal, obviously, is to be a good listener and to set the standard, to address things that need to be addressed, and to hopefully keep leading that conversation to a positive outcome. I just had a conversation with a principal of mine in another state this morning. He was talking to me about some a hard decision he has to make. And he said, boy, this is going to upset some members of my staff. And then there was this long pause. And he said, and I guess that's leadership. And I said, that's exactly what it is. He was, he was looking in a mirror and realizing that it was not going to be an easy sell, but he really truly felt that it was the best thing. It was related to um, student safety. I said, you're doing the right thing. And, and yeah, that's leadership. It's going to sometimes be a little uncomfortable. It is. Well, Jen, as we wrap up this episode, I just want to remind Principal Matters listeners that as you are leading 
and trying to create buy-in among your staff, trying to set strong expectations, thinking about how to build leadership among the people within your buildings. Remember that the goal is not perfection. The goal is, is growth. And as you step in each day and you're putting out the fires of leadership and trying to link arms with the people on your teams who can help you accomplish your goals. Just remember, you are always better with others. I've said this so many times, Jen, but the smartest person in the room is the room. And so the more that we can invite others into the conversations of our leadership and share those decisions with them, the better our schools are going to be because of it too. Jen, any closing thoughts? And I also want to ask you as we're wrapping up for just a quick little update, because I know you did a presentation recently for ASCD. And so um, any updates from your recent out reaches and um, how can folks stay connected with you? Yeah, no real updates. Um, it was a great conference as always hosted by ASCD and they're still doing virtual conferences. So the links I believe are still available. Um, you'll have to check the ASCD website. And then if anyone needs to get in touch with me, you can do that through Will or through my website, jenschwanke.com. Awesome. And Principal Matters listeners, if anyone is in the Alabama area, I'm going to be speaking at a leadership conference with CLA. AS class leaders that are leading a principal's conference on November the 8th. And I would love to connect with any Alabama leaders that are in that area. If you have a chance to catch this episode before then. Well, Jen Schwanke, thank you so much for the leadership you provide for your schools, but also for the voice that you provide to leaders in this room too. I was just on a call last week with a listener who was just going on and on about how much joy she gets listening to your input. And so thank you for taking the time to speak to Principal Matters listeners. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk soon.